You're listening to the City Church Tallahassee podcast. For more information about City Church, please visit us online at citychurchtallahassee.com. Everybody and also to those watching online. My name is Dean, the pastor here at City Church. Thanks for joining us this morning. I want to show you all my new mask uh, that, I'm, that I have here. This is Tampa Bay Bucks throwback. So our new series is called Clarity. So I want to give you some clarity on how the biggest Patriots fan in Florida can have a Bucks mask. Well, I just signed a two-year agreement with the Bucks for them to be my second favorite team. Only two years. Uh, because Tom Brady and Gronk are now there. Uh, so I will be still rocking all my Patriots things and being Patriots first. However, I have a strong second favorite team. And I'm, if, if you can actually be excited about masks, <laughs> this is, I'm excited about masks. Just want to show it to you guys. Carry on. Have a good day. All right. So we're in a series called Clarity. Uh, where We're looking at exactly what is the point of the church? Like what is the actual mission the church has? Uh, because it seems like everyone really kind of has an opinion, especially on social media. Where's the church? Where's the church on this? When's the church going to speak to this? And it can be confusing about what the actual point of the church is. And I want to make sure that the driving opinion of the church is not what I think. It's not what the media thinks. It's not what someone on Facebook thinks, but what God says actually in the scriptures. He's the one who gives us our mission. We must pay careful attention to it and know it and understand it because think about any organization. Church is more than an organization, but just think organization for a second. What happens when you lose focus or you don't have clarity on why you exist? Like what happens? You go off track, start to lose kind of purpose, there eventually becomes confusion internally, right? We got to be clear on these things. So what is the mission of the church? We said last week, it is the great commission. The great commission is the mission of the church. That does not mean we don't care about other things. We're called, the Great Commission tells us to obey everything or to learn to obey everything Jesus has commanded us. That's part of the Great Commission. So we care, Jesus said, love your neighbor. So we care about the welfare and well-being of our neighbors. We care about other things. But the primary mission of the church is the Great Commission. And what is that? It's from Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus said this. This is a review from last week. If you weren't here, I'd love for you to catch up online, uh, on iTunes, on our website. Here's what he said. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Again, so preachers not the authority, opinions not the authority, the church is not the authority, God's word is the authority. Jesus is the ultimate authority. He came near and he stated his authority and because of this, because he is the one who makes the claim, he's the one who has the right, as the one who died for the church, he has the right to set the mission for the church. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And he says, and remember, you're not going solo. I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the great commission. There's versions of this in every gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In the book of Acts, Jesus himself said he came to seek and save those who were lost. He has given us the purpose and the reason for why he has a mission, and as a result has built the church to go and fulfill it. And notice it's ongoing. We see baptizing, teaching. It's an ongoing practice where it definitely includes evangelism. 
which is establishing new believers, baptizing them. And then it involves teaching them, equipping believers to be on mission, sending believers out. And our primary text for this series is from Acts chapter 14. And here is what was spoken to the believer, or, or told about the early ministry of the believers. After they had preached the gospel in that town and made many disciples, so they're carrying out the mission of the church, they're carrying out what Jesus told them, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch. There's more work to be done there. And what were they doing there? Strengthening the disciples. How did they do that? By encouraging them to continue in the faith. And by telling them it is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders, so they're establishing local churches to reach people for Christ and to make churches as one in the same. To reach someone is to bring them in one to faith in Jesus, but also into fellowship and membership into the church. In every church and praying and prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So last week, we looked at really the kind of the first point of all this, our first goal as a church family, to give some clarity around what we do, and it was to connect, to connect people to Jesus and to the local church. Like, that is our first goal for everyone, to connect you to Christ, and that comes by believing his good news, realizing you can't save yourself from your sins. Even on your best day, you can't measure up to God, but Jesus, who's fully God and fully man, never sinned. He lived a life you couldn't live, died a death that you deserved for your sin against God. By God's grace and mercy, he didn't punish us as our sins deserved. He punished Jesus. Jesus rose from the grave three days later. And now if we believe that by faith, repent of our sins, we are connected to Christ. We're in Christ. And how that works out is by now being connected to the church. So last week we talked about the significance of evangelism, of telling the good news, how we must be clear on what the gospel is, what it is not have an urgency for others to hear about who Jesus is. Not just here in Tallahassee, but around the world. We must be clear and give clarity on why people need Jesus and how he is the answer for their lives. So this week we're gonna talk about the next step in providing clarity of who and what we want to be as a church based on what's taking place in Acts chapter 14. After we connect people to Jesus and the church, we then want to equip people. Equip people. Equip folks to live for Jesus. Equip folks to survive in this world that doesn't want to live for Jesus. The Bible says the gospel is foolishness to those who don't know the Lord. It's foolishness. It's a joke. It's a mockery. How do we live for Jesus in that kind of world? How do we not repel people from Christianity? How do we also not remove ourselves from the world? Because God wants us here with real people in real conversations. We need as a church to be able to equip people. We see some things from this text. They preached the gospel, they connected people to Jesus, and then they made many disciples. How did they do that? In verse 22, it says, by strengthening the disciples. Strengthening them. Strengthening them in what? In their faith. How does one get strengthened in their faith? Two primary ways. Actually, let's go with three. Three primary ways. One is that their knowledge grows. Please never be someone who resists any kind of academic approach to Christianity. It's much more than that, but it's definitely not less than that. We should be people who know, who learn, who understand what the Bible says. 
not just through knowing, but for our affections growing for Christ. Knowing Jesus is how our faith is strengthened, our affections for Jesus, that we, that we learn to love Jesus more than this world. As we'll see a little bit later in the text, it also comes from trials. From things happening in our life that go anywhere from tragedy to injustice to just things we hadn't planned. All the above, hardship, that God's using that to strengthen the church, to strengthen you as a believer. So we want to be strengthened in our faith through knowledge, through understanding the Bible, understanding theology, understanding doctrine, and if it doesn't create more affection in us for Christ, we're missing the boat altogether on what we're studying. And then from there, after our affections grow, we're prepared even more through our knowledge and our love for God to endure trials for God. They equip the church by strengthening the disciples. And what are you doing right now in your life to be strengthened in your faith? Like what steps are you actually taking? That's not some kind of shame thing, that's just asking. And the good news is we can provide that for you as a church. I don't think you need me or need one of our staff members or pastors or I don't think you need that person to be strengthened in your faith. I think it's just an amazing asset to be able to join in community together and be strengthened in your faith. Things such as like reading our Bibles and taking advantage of the things that we have to offer through discipleship, they're all for the purpose of helping you grow in knowledge, grow in your affections, and be prepared to live this Christian life. Equipping people, strengthening them in their faith. The next one is that they encourage the disciples. They encourage the disciples, not just strengthen their faith, but encourage them. And I don't know about you, but more than ever, this is happening back in the first century. And here we are 2,000 plus years later and people still need encouragement. Christians still need encouragement. You need to know things like that God has not forgotten about you. That God has not left you. That God keeps his promises. That as a believer, you might be mad at God for something, but he's not mad at you. That you're his. Like you belong to him. Jesus said, whom the Father gives me, nobody can take away, nobody can cast out. Why? Because our salvation is in God's hands and not our own. You need to be encouraged that this world is not forever. This is a temporary residence for us. That doesn't mean we aren't intentional here, it doesn't mean we don't care about here, but we must realize that God never promises us that this side of heaven, that all of our pain is gonna go away. There is an expiration date though. Now we still live this life to the fullest. We still ask God to remove things in our lives that we don't want there that are causing us grief and pain. We pray and ask God to reconcile things that are broken. Like we pray for those things. But the encouragement is that there's not some just short life expiration date and then everything is over. There's no circle of life for the Christian. No offense Elton John and Lion King but there's no circle of life. It's one direct line through this life, all the way through eternity, with God forever and ever. He encouraged the disciples. Why would he encourage them? They're under persecution at this time. And they legitimately could be martyred for their faith. And part of strengthening and equipping them is helping them believe that it's worth it. And they're not gonna believe it's worth it if they have no knowledge of who God is no knowledge of the scriptures, 
no knowledge of how God has worked before for his people, of how God has kept his promises over and over again. So the reasons why they also took the Lord's Supper or communion so regularly when they met together, to be encouraged in what Christ had done for them, reminders over and over again. We're very forgetful people. And we need reminders to be encouraged in our faith consistently and constantly. Notice it doesn't say they entertained them. It says they encouraged them. Not entertained as a church, but encouraged them. Here's some examples of this. Paul wrote this, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. This is a letter he wrote to the church. Praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Like, I thank God for you as a church. He goes, I'm sure of this. He's like, I know things are rough right now. And Paul's actually writing this letter from prison. He says, I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's just a way of saying God's got this. Like he's actually gonna carry all of us through if we are in Christ. The one who started the work is gonna be the one who finishes the work in you and not just that, he's there the entire time in between. He's carrying it out to completion. Like isn't that good news? Like isn't that more encouraging than anything this world has to offer that God is with you? He started a work in you, he's gonna finish a work in you and then he's also the one in between that's carrying you the distance. Such good news. We also see more encouragement in Acts after they come back and they're strengthening their faith and encouraging the church. It says, after they arrived and gathered the church together, they reported everything God had done with them and that he opened the door to the, of faith to the Gentiles and they spent a considerable time with the disciples. They come back and they're reporting the news of what God had done. So we love telling you about what our missionaries are doing overseas and highlighting them and remembering them, praying for them. That's why we celebrate baptisms here as a church family. We want you to know what's happening with our youth ministry, our college ministry, our children's ministries, our city groups, our Sunday morning gatherings. Like God is on the move. It looks a little bit different right now. A lot of folks aren't quite ready to come back to a large gathering yet. I hope they do soon, but some folks just aren't ready yet. It might look different now. A lot of folks never thought they'd be having, you know, watching the service online for this long. When it first happened, we never knew it would be this long. We had no clue. We thought it'd be a couple weeks, flatten the curve, 15 days. You know, we thought we might have an Easter service. You know, you know all of those things. And, but, but it looks different now, but be not mistaken. We're seeing people during this season come to faith in Jesus. We're seeing people maybe respond dif to difficulties in their life by realizing, wow, like it's time for me to get serious about the Lord. Like life is not certain. Everything else has been maybe taken away from me, but God hasn't encourage that God is moving, that he is on the prowl and he is carrying out his work in the believers in the church. And then he prepared the disciples. Also in verse 22, it says that he helped them understand that they're gonna go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. So he helped strengthen their faith. He encouraged them in the faith. That's part of equipping this is being reminded of God's love for you. It's being reminded of the, of the truth of our theology of God keeping his promises. And also, he prepared them. 
that this world is not going to be easy. God doesn't say you won't suffer. In fact, he guarantees it. Because we're in a world that's not our own and one that's broken. One that's broken down. The effects of sin are everywhere. Everywhere. As Christians, we have to, we can't remove ourselves from a world that sadly has pornography, racism, immorality, heartbreak, greed. We're right in the middle of all of it. The effects of sin are around us all the time. And not only that, for those who are trying to live for Christ, who are trying to daily choose God over sin, who aren't believing the lies that there's more to be gained by disobeying God than there is to be gained by obeying him, the reality of a broken world is still present in us. Death is a real thing. Sickness is a real thing. It will one day all go away one day when the new heavens and the new earth are created. But in the meantime, here we are in brokenness. We, we live in it. And we're called to be prepared for that. And you'll see some people maybe who go through serious suffering, if it's just brutal cancer, if it's the loss of a, a, a loved one way too soon. See people go through maybe years and years and years of, of infertility. You see people lose their jobs and have serious financial hardship and have to foreclose. We can go on and on about the things people go through. We have real emotions and the Psalms show us that God wants his people to cry out to him and to plead with him and to pray to him. And at the same time, how many people like that do you know who have been through something like that? Maybe one of the examples that I gave that were such an inspiration to you because of the faith they showed during that time. And the faith wasn't just, oh, it's all going to work out and my prayers are going to be answered, which hopefully they will be, but it was more just whatever happens, God has this. Like This stinks right now. This is not fun. This is painful. But I'm going to trust that he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it. Like how, how many people, my, my, one of my FCA leaders in high school, uh, she died of cancer. It was, it was awful. And she loved the Lord. And she was leading students to Christ from her hospital bed at TMH. Like she's dying. And students would come in to see her because she was so beloved. People see students, students who are unbelievers that knew her. And she's leading people to Christ from her hospital bed. How can that be? Like how, how, how could something like that happen? Well, she was prepared to suffer. Now, don't get me wrong. No one's fully prepared to go through these type of life altering things. Okay, like it's, you know, I'm not trying to make light of it but she was so equipped and grounded in the promises of God, encouraged in her faith of who Jesus was, that heaven was a real place where real people go, that she was able, even in the worst times, and she didn't, wasn't happy, obviously, but even in the worst times, she was able to still trust in the Lord because she had been equipped her entire life to deal with these things. She didn't know it was going to be that tragic and to that level, but didn't change who God was to her. See, you don't prepare by painting a fake reality. The disciples are preparing them to go through hardships. Everything's fine. You don't want to be Baghdad Bob. Remember Baghdad Bob? When we had the second Iraq war, when our troops were sent in to, to basically get Saddam Hussein, and they're like, I think they called him like their minister of 
I think we called him their minister of propaganda, but I think he was basically like their, their, pre, their version, like, I think he was like their press secretary. And they'd do an interview every day and he'd stand out there. I don't know if I should laugh at this, but it just was, I just remember being funny. And he would stand there and he'd be like, everything's okay. All's in control. The Americans aren't here. And behind him would be like, like an explosion in the background of us. Like there's like Saddam Hussein's statues coming down and he's like, everything's great. You know, everything's great. And folks started calling him Baghdad Bob, just like his name. We don't want to be that way when it comes to this world. Everything's not okay because it's broken. That's not discouraging to us because Jesus is alive. He's alive right now, like right this moment. And I'm going to go, Jesus, he's fine. So I'm going to go with him. And the promises that he has made for us, which will prepare all of us to go through hardships if we really actually do believe these things. Here's what James wrote. He said, consider it a great joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, that might be the weirdest verse in all the Bible when I first read it. Joy, seriously? Do you know what's happening in my family, you might say? Do you know what's going on? Like, seriously? Like, do you, like that, that, what a strange, we've got to keep reading. Because you know the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its full effect so you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. That God's using even the worst things right now to make you more like Christ. I mean, maybe for some, these things have gotten your attention. I don't know, maybe they've gotten you back to church. Maybe they've caused you to start praying and you haven't prayed in years. Maybe you open your Bible for the first time since it was given to you as a kid. Like, well, I don't know, whatever it might be. God's not, the reason why we can consider joy, he didn't say consider it awesome or consider it happy. Joy is different. Because other things are based on circumstances, joy is based on Christ. So you can still function and you can still live and still survive because you know that Jesus is with you and he's alive right now and God's using everything going on in your life right now, working all those things together for the good, even though I might not see it, you might not see it, for the good of those who love him for the purpose of becoming more like Christ. So don't prepare people or walk with people or encourage people by painting fake realities. We encourage people by pointing them to Christ and what he's doing. See, disciple making, it's important to know it happens in, a local, in the context of a local church. That's where equipping and disciple making happens. It's a community project. It's not just a personal pursuit. The old just kind of American, you know, 21st century line of, oh, my faith's a private matter. It's a private matter. That's not a scriptural understanding of faith. And the community of choice that God has in his word for disciple making to happen is the local church because Jesus has given the church a unique authority to preach the gospel, baptize believers into faith and church membership and also teach obedience to Jesus. And disciple making doesn't just happen in coffee shops and living rooms, it also happens in the sanctuary. In the auditorium, every, every week the word is preached, the word is sung together, the word is prayed. All of these things are part of the process. So what are some ways you can be equipped, let's just say in the next year? I would say the first thing is prioritize Sunday morning. That God's always used the assembly and the gathering of believers to come together. Like we need to hear other believers sing. We need to prioritize making, being with God's people the start of our week. It needs to matter to us. We need to hear God's word preached no matter who's up here. As long as they're 
centering on Christ and the good news and actually preaching the true Jesus. We need to hear that every week. Like how many other things are priorities in our lives that we would never let something come up and cancel over? Like what, 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 a, what a just, I don't know, scary future for Christianity in America if we would bail on church before we bailed on our tailgate. I don't mean during a pandemic, okay? I mean in general. I mean, we just gotta be people who prioritize this. It matters. Second is through Bible reading and prayer. We can help you figure out how to start doing that. Maybe the first prayer you can pray if you don't pray regularly is open your Bible and say, God, help me understand this. Help me make sense of this. Help me understand who you are more from this. Maybe just ask God to forgive your sins, to give you confidence in his promises. We're, gonna, we're not rolling it all out yet because we're still working on all of it, but we're gonna start something in January where as a church family, we're gonna go through the whole Bible in a year. My sermons are gonna be based on that. I'm gonna preach through 66 books of the Bible in one year. Should be kind of crazy, but we will, not just me, but some of our preaching team. So I'm excited for that, and we'll have a plan, and a guy, I don't know where to start. Well, we're gonna have a plan. I don't want you to wait till January to read your Bible, but we're gonna have an actual plan. In the meantime, I would open your Bible and maybe read one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, start there. Read Psalms, especially those of you maybe who have been wondering, like, God, where are you right now? What's happening right now? Why is this happening in my life? Like, read through Psalms, and you'll see you're not alone. People have been asking that for a really long time. And I've had their answers in God over and over again. How many people have Bibles and they just don't read them? And I'm not the most disciplined person in the world, so like it's easy for me to go a day or two without reading my Bible besides like maybe, you know, a scripture verse here or there or something along those lines. And I'm like, Lord, I have your word. Like your word, like the actual words of our God have been given to me. Like, what is it in my life that thinks everything else is so much more appealing? That thinks so many other things are so much worth my time? That thinks 10 more minutes of sleep is more important than making sure I read 10 minutes of my Bible or whatever it might be. This video was shown on social media last week of a closed country to the gospel. Uh, there are believers there, basically in underground churches that the government is spying on and they have to meet in secret. And they had a Bible delivery from missionaries sent to them in their language. And up to this point, they had not had, they had very few Bibles. I think like the pastor had one and like a few other people in their kind of underground church. Uh, so they all would kind of come together under one Bible. I wanna show you this just quick less than a minute video of, of their reaction when Bibles came to their, one of their homes. Let's watch this real quick.
就是我们教会这个时候最需要的，真是我们最需要的时候。Isn't that incredible? I don't show you that to make you feel bad. That's not the point of that. But that's our family. For those of our brothers and sisters across the world, isn't that incredible that one missionaries got them and got them those Bibles? But that reaction, I'm not saying that you need to run home today and grab your Bible and, and do that. I'm not saying that. But we have the words of God. Like that is what we possess in our Bibles. Like what would it look like if we just kind of even took the first baby step of that and said, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to see what it is that God has to say. If you want to hear God speak, read your Bible. Because that's how he's spoken to us. The next thing is to take advantage of opportunities our church provides. If it's our equip classes, it'll start back up again pretty soon. We'll be getting information to you on Sunday nights where we go through topics, sometimes go through books of the Bible. They're usually around an hour, an hour and a half, somewhere in that range on a Sunday evening where you can come learn the scriptures more, understand them more. Our city groups that will be coming back again in September. You'll get more information about that as they come out. We'd love for you to take advantage of those times. Opportunities to meet people, to work through the scriptures together, to pray together, important things. We also have a resource page on our website that can give you podcasts we recommend, uh, that can recommend books to you, things such as that, reading plans. Also, be in relationships that strengthen. Relationships that strengthen, that help you love God more to help you live the Christian life more. Not exclusively, we want you to be in relationships with all kinds of people from all different walks of life. Make sure you have some Christian friends in your life. And by Christian friends, I mean folks that really seriously are trying to follow Jesus. I don't mean like, oh, I'm a cultural Christian and I love you, the USA, and you know, in my Yeti cup, okay? Like, I, I don't mean that, okay? I mean people that actually are trying to follow Jesus, which I'm trying to do every day, work in progress like most of us are, but people who actually like have convictions that are Christian. And next is to be an equipper yourself. I mean, how many people want to be mentored but aren't, really, but aren't willing to mentor? To be an equipper yourself. Speak some life into people through the scriptures and pray for people and encourage them and strengthen them in, your, in a way that leads people to the scriptures and leads people to Christ to commit to also being that for someone, not just seeking it for you. And my hope is that we will be equipped together as we are strengthened in our faith, as we are encouraged in our faith, and prepared to live the Christian life in a world that's not our own. That doesn't come naturally. We must be equipped to actually do that. And the way God, what God gives us to do that is the scriptures, and it's the church. What an awesome combo to make his name great in Tallahassee and across the world. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for this taking place all the way back when the church was first being formed. Where we see in Acts 14 that the disciples went and they told and they equipped to let the gospel spread and be known and heard throughout their area and then throughout the world. So I pray for those believers we saw in that video, that when they're meeting, that you just be with them, allow them to continue to, to love the Bible a year from now that they were given as a gift as much as they did the first day the package came. We ask you to protect those believers from harm. 
Lord, we ask that you allow them to be a witness to win many people to Christ in their country, in their neighborhoods, wherever they may live. And for all the churches gathering around the world today, let us be people of your word, of your love, of your grace, of your forgiveness, and of your truth. Equip us so we may equip others. We need you, we can't do this on our own, and we're thankful that you have promised to never leave us or forsake us. For anyone in this room right now that's just struggling, I ask that you continue to point them to you, point them to your church, let them know that you're not done with them, that you who began a good work in them will be faithful to complete it in Christ, and we thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.